Hey, good morning. Welcome to Mornings with Mac. I hope you've got a copy of God's Word and you're ready to look at another beatitude of um, the Old Testament. I love uh, words. I love to study words, the etymology of words. All of my ministry, whenever I dedicate a baby <clears throat> to the Lord, I'll always take the name and I'll look up what what does the name mean? Um, what's the meaning of a name? And I'll share that with the parents and give them a little background, tell them what the name means. And then Miss Debbie will, she spends so much time looking for the right verse to go with that name and with that baby. We've done that for, I guess, close to 40 years now when we dedicate uh, little babies uh, because names are important. And when you come to scripture, names are really important. That's why this morning I'm going to share with you about the beatitude of a changed name. And you're going to see that if you get to the 32nd chapter of Genesis. Uh, and to a guy whose name really does need to be changed because his name implies such a negative, um, has such a negative connotation. It implies something very negative. His name was Jacob, which means to grasp, to clutch, to grab, um, uh, to, to get, because here's Jacob and it describes his life. He's always grabbing after what somebody else has. Now we're all sensitive about our names. Um, all my life, people have spelled my name, misspelled my name, M-A-C-K. Well, it's not with a K. Uh, Deb has had the same thing. Her name is Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-A, no H. And when they put an H on it, she just, you know, it upsets her. We're all sensitive. We hear somebody use our name. I heard somebody use my name about 16 times here a number of weeks ago in a totally uh, useless way, and it really disturbed me. It bothered me. Well, we all are that way. We don't like our names to be misused. In fact, God says, listen to what he says in Isaiah 42, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. Uh, in Ezekiel 36, God says, I will sanctify my great name. God gives an entire commandment and he says, do not treat my name as unholy. Don't take my name uh, and just use it casually. Uh, God honors his name. He says, I'm going to sanctify my name. And when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he taught, pray in this way. Uh, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's why I have so much trouble with Christians today just taking the name and just saying, oh my God, this, and oh my God, that. There should be a far greater reverence for the name of God, at least on the lips of Christians today. Well, let me take you to this story that you probably know already very well, to the 32nd chapter of Genesis and to verse 24, when Jacob was alone. You're going to come to this guy whose name is going to be changed now. You see that in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus changes the name of Simon, which means a dove uh, that conveys the idea to flutter, to be flighty like a dove. And he's going to change that to Cephas, which means the rock. And you can see the difference, that which is flighty and that which is solid, that which is stable. Um, same thing's going to happen with um, Saul. 
the, the guy who becomes Paul, his name is going to be changed. Well, Jacob's name is going to be changed from the grasper, the clutcher, uh, to uh, the one who strives with God, Yisrael. And I'm going to show you something about that name at the very at the very end of this devotional this morning. Well, he's going to be given a new name. That name, Israel, here in chapter 32 of Genesis. And then, and I won't be able to get to this, over in chapter 35, he's going to get back to Bethel where God wants him all along. And there he's going to change his name. You're going to read that change of name again. God says, you're no longer going to be called Jacob, uh, but Israel shall be your name. But let's go to the 32nd chapter there. And let me show you two things about God in the blessing that comes in a changed name. Now look at this. Uh, That name is going to change because uh, God is the God who persists in pursuing us. Uh, God persists in his pursuing you. Some of you that are watching this morning, God has been pursuing you and he's persisted in that. He's come to you and come to you and come to you. And do you know what that is? That is called the grace of God. If you remember, Jacob stole a blessing, uh, which is no way to attain a blessing. Uh, But God's going to give him a blessing. That's the great a contrast here. You remember how he went in to deceive his father who was blind, which is a picture of spiritual darkness. And that's about where Isaac was at the time. Um, he goes in to steal that birthright and the blessing. Now the birthright has to do with the birth order. You got the birthright. If you were the eldest, which Jacob was not, uh, you inherited seven-eighths of everything that your father had. And uh, all of that, which was financial and tangible and physical, passed to you. The blessing aspect was the spiritual. You became the priest of the family. You became uh, the spiritual leader of the family. Now, Jacob, even though Jacob really was outside of God's will still hungered for not just the birthright, but the blessing as well. And you remember how devious and manipulative and deceptive he was in stealing that birthright and that blessing from his father, Isaac. Well, in the midst of that, he's sent away from home. He flees because Esau's going to kill him. And as he flees away from home, you remember that night that he spends out in a place called Luz, L-U-Z. Well, while he's there, he has a dream. And you remember that famous dream of, uh, of, uh, of Jacob's where he sees this ladder that is set on the earth and it stretches into the heavens and God appears to him there and he speaks to him and he tells him, I'm going to give you a blessing. You stole a blessing, but now I'm, I'm the God who will come and give you a blessing. Now, he rises up early the next morning. This is Genesis 28, verse 18. Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone that he had put under his head, set it up as an Ebenezer, as as a pillar of remembrance, poured oil over it to kind of sanctify it, and he called the name of that place Bethel, house of God. Uh, Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me on the journey and I 
that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear. You begin to see where his priorities are. I want stuff. God, if you'll be a God who will give me stuff, not just protect me, you know, protect my life, but give me stuff. I'll return to my father's house in safety. Then the Lord will be my God. Well, that was part of the birthright and that was part of the blessing was that this was the land that God had given Abraham Isaac, and now it would be given to him. He says, I'll return uh, to this promised land. Uh, This stone, which I've set up as a pillar, will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give you back a tent. But did you pick that up? He says, I will return to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God. He doesn't say, God, I'm going to take you now. But he says, then you'll be my God. If you'll do all this stuff for me, if you'll give me all this blessing... He goes off, this guy whose name really means con artist, goes off to the house of Laban, and, it, and he, is, he is schooled now in how to be a con artist, because Laban is a bigger con artist than Jacob. And for 20 years, he just cons the boy, time after time after time. He just takes that boy to school on what it really means to be a con artist. But all that time, God's pursuing him. Here he is, God's blessing him, even though he said, then you'll be my God. God's just blessing him. God's pouring out his blessing on him. But for 20 years, he is absolutely working his fingers to the bone. He's miserable, and yet God continuously pursues him. And in the midst of his misery, God comes to him, and God tells him, listen, Jacob, Don't you think it's time for you to get up and get on out of here? Return to the land of your fathers, chapter 31, and I'll be with you. And so Jacob immediately called Rachel and Leah and said, I got to talk to you. He says, your father's attitude has not been friendly toward me like it used to be, but the God of my father has been with me. He comes and he acknowledges God has pursued me all this time. Some of you need to acknowledge that this morning, that God has been blessing you, watching over you, caring for you, pursuing you, persistently pursuing you all this time. And it's time for you to recognize that every good thing that has come in your life has come at the hand of God. And it's time for you to acknowledge him as Lord of your life and Savior. Well, that's what happens They leave. You know the story. I'm trying to hurry through this. And he gets down to where he understands Esau now is coming for him. And he's got an army with him. And uh, he gets to the Jabbok. And, uh, of course, he's left alone there that night. uh, And God has been pursuing him. And God's going to come. And this is the second thing. God not only persists in pursuing us, but God comes and he comes with a willingness to touch our lives. You remember what happens that night. He's left alone and a man comes in the dark and wrestles with him. Now think about this. There was another time in the dark when somebody reached out and laid hold of Jacob. It was in the darkness of Isaac in his blindness. Remember when Jacob comes to trick him to get the blessing, Jacob reaches out, Isaac, uh, Isaac reaches out to touch Jacob, to feel him, to make sure that this is Esau. He says, you, you, you feel like Esau, but you sure do sound like Jacob. Uh, he reaches out and he feels him, you know, in, in his darkness. 
Well, now in the darkness, somebody else is going to reach out. In the darkness of Isaac, Isaac reached out to fill Jacob and Jacob took a blessing, stole a blessing. Now in the darkness, God's going to come and he's going to reach out and grab onto Jacob to give him a blessing. Isn't God great? Even in the midst of this uh, kind of life, God still pursues him, but reaches out and grabs on to him in order to give him a blessing. Now, I want you to see how that blessing is going to come. Two things. Number one, the change of name that's going to come in this comes with some clinging, clinging on. That's his name. He's going to cling on to him. He's going to grasp him. Now, let me begin reading verse 24. That's a long setup, isn't it? Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched him. This, this angel of the Lord, whom I personally believe is the pre-incarnate Christ, but that's another story for another day. The socket on his thigh so that the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated with the wrestling with him. And he said, let me go. The dawn is breaking. Uh, but he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Now, this isn't really Jacob clinging to the angel. This is really the angel holding on to him. He doesn't have to, but he's going to cling. He's letting Jacob, God is so good. He's, he's allowing Jacob to cling on to him, to hold on to him. He says, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. Now that angel could have gone. All he had to do is just reach over and touch his thigh and it dislocated it. So all he would have had to have done is just touched me. He could have levitated Jacob if he wanted to, but he allowed Jacob to cling on to him. You, you've been holding on. You've been clinging. I'm clinging for this blessing. Now I want you to see this. He has to, you have to let go of some things before you can cling on to something else. And Jacob has been clinging to a lot of things, flocks, herds, money, all that he could get. He's been clinging on to a lifestyle, um, two women, two concubine, all of this. He's been clinging on to that, holding on to that, grasping. That's his name. He's been grasping for these things, but he's finally had to let those things go so that now he can cling on to the angel of the Lord for his blessing. He thinks that, listen, let me tell you something. The change comes when you let go of the things that are not important and you cling to the things that are important. And what is important to cling to is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. All of the other stuff never, ever amounts to anything. It's when you've got a hold of the Lord that it counts. Now, let me give you the second thing. And the second thing is this, is the beatitude of a change name. The change of name comes with some confessing, clinging and confessing. Lord, I'm reaching out to you and now I'm going to confess. Now, watch it. What is said in verse 26 let me go for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go until you, till you bless me. And so he said to him, the angel says to him, what is your name? Now that's not the first time you've heard that. You've heard that back earlier when Isaac in his blindness said, who is this? What is your name? 
And Jacob there lies and he says, my name is Esau. Here he comes and he confesses. I have to confess who I am. My name is the one who grasps, the one who clutches, the one who takes, the one who grabs on to what somebody else has. So he comes and he confesses here. And as soon as he confesses who he is, listen to what the angel of the Lord says. He said, um, he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob. You will no longer be known as the clutcher, the grabber, the grasper. He says, but your name will be Israel for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. He changes his name. Now watch this. Here's the entry. He said, no longer. You're not going to be known by that any longer. Not anymore. That's not who you are. I, when I hear that, I think of Paul, when Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I'm no longer me. I'm a new creature in Jesus Christ. The old things have passed away, all things have become new. It's a great picture of salvation in the Old Testament. That's not who you are anymore. You're no longer that boy who used to be Nothing but trouble and problem and aggravation and frustration and irritation. You are now Christian. You are little Christ. Man, amen. Now, let me show you something and wrap it up with this name. And, and this is what I want you to see. God is not uh, the object of the verb here. He is the subject of the verb. It is not that he has striven with God, it is that God has striven and won with him. Same thing with Samuel. It's not that uh, 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 the name Samuel doesn't mean uh, he hears God, but it means God hears. Same thing with Daniel. Doesn't mean he judges God, but God judges. Same thing with Israel. Not you've striven with God, but God is the subject of the verb, not the object. God rules. God rules. Your name is changed when God rules your life. Now there is the beatitude of a changed name. Blessing. When God comes into your life through Christ and He changes, not just your name, but your character, your life, your direction, Jacob will walk away from here differently. He walks with a limp, which is forever a reminder that I no longer walk the way I used to. Blessings.